What is going on, FA Nation? Happy holidays to all and get ready because it's another episode of the Family Times podcast here on FantasyAlarm.com. My name is Justin Fensterman, along with my compadres, usual co-host John and Pemba and Matt Sells as well. Guys, what's going on? You're ready to dominate your playoffs. Are you guys still in fantasy football playoffs or are you guys just losers and out of all your leagues? Uh, I am not in the playoffs. Um, I had a couple of bad weeks coming down the stretch, um, just played, I made a bad decision on a tight end one week and that cost me. And then I made a bad decision on a running back and second guessed my gut and it did not pay off. Uh, so I was out of the playoffs and then the bye week in the consolation bracket for whatever reason I had one, whatever, didn't care. Uh, my team put up the best week of the season, <laughs> so that's always that's always a good sign when your team puts up its best week when you're not playing anybody. Yeah, I have a buy in one of the leagues that are remaining in the playoffs last week, so I was able to sort of just sit back, uh, thankfully avoid any sort of injury uh, scare, uh, and I'm fortunate that the opponent that I have uh, actually had Ronald Jones on their team. Uh, Rojo now on the COVID IR, so now he's going to be a little bit scrambling. Doesn't have, uh, you know, Leonard Fournette to slide in there, so I get the advantage of uh, dealing with that in my first round uh, playoff matchup for me, at least in one league. And then, of course, fancy like I sort of uh, outraged, I guess, the rage a little bit on Monday. Uh, my big money league, I got eliminated in uh, round one. Uh, so this was a league where I was the highest scoring team of the league. I finished in. F- fourth place in head-to-head record and then this week round one of the playoffs i was the second highest scoring team of the entire week only to the team that beat me so i got that eliminated sucks. as the second highest scoring team of the first round of the playoffs it's a 14 team league eight teams make the playoff there are no first round buys so literally i was second of eight uh scoring this week i lost to the team that was the only one that scored more points than me uh, super frustrating. And then to top it off, I also made, um, now I'm not going to say bad decisions as, you know, Fenske and I discussed it. I benched Kareem Hunt for JD McKissick. If you look on paper, you would think McKissick with no Gibson versus the 49ers versus Hunt against Baltimore would have been the better play. Had I not done that, I obviously would have won my matchup. But I lost by five. Uh, and then I also had Julio Jones who got ruled out and I had to decide between Alan Lazard or Rashard Higgins. I went the Lazard route. So had I played either of the two Browns players, I win my week. But am I really playing Browns players against the Ravens? Unlikely. Uh, and I end up losing. But just frustrating to be the highest scoring team of the entire season. And then the second highest scoring team of the week still get eliminated because the team that scored the most points played you. By the way, Sells, I Sells, I told him that he was being too hard on himself. You know, normally know that's low-hanging fruit, and I could continue to go after him and pick him off like Muhammad Ali in a boxing match. But instead, yeah. I, I, I got to give him a pass on that. They weren't bad decisions. They weren't. I probably would have gotten Lazard myself. I like the, the Green Bay's offense and the matchup for Green Bay better than – you know, Higgins going Yeah, I Baltimore love Aaron Rodgers. I don't love Baker Mayfield. You tell me 90 points are being scored in that Baltimore or Cleveland game. Maybe I'm going, maybe I'm playing them. Yeah, because with Lamar Jackson taking a dump I probably for wouldn't a need a job anymore because I right. probably could just bet on all the games if I know the outcome. Yeah, that I mean, <laughs> and that was with Lamar Jackson taking a dump for an entire quarter. Oh, my God. Like, <laughs> like a ridiculous, like, <laughs> that was nuts. 
But, yeah, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't beat yourself up too bad. I mean, the Washington offense just didn't really show up in the passing game, really. And then with Alex Smith coming out, having to go to Dwayne Haskins, not really. I mean, that's clearly a downgrade. So, again, things out of your control happened mid-game. I probably would have made the same moves because with Higgins, you're basically touchdown hunting. And if he doesn't get a touchdown, he does absolutely nothing. Whereas Lazard still gets targets and yardage even without the touchdown. So I wouldn't beat yourself up too bad, though. That is a bad beat. Though not as bad of a beat as the hook and ladder safety cover for the Ravens covering the the three-point line. I did at least bet the Ravens in that game. So I was was good to go there. Yeah, Um, they were like at the 20. And then they went all the way back to outside the end zone. Yeah, it was insane. And so you get the push, and then all of a sudden, in a crazy play. That wasn't even the craziest play of the weekend, though. Did you guys see the end of the Western Michigan game? No. (laughs) Oh, you got to Google this. It was Western. I can't remember who they were playing, but it was definitely Western Michigan. And so they're doing the crazy lateral play. Oh, yes. Yes. And they, they... one of the teams thinks that the fumble happens and the guy is down, but it turns out that on his way down, the defender fumbles it. So then the offense at Western Michigan picks it back up. The ball is still alive. (laughs) And so the opposing team all runs out onto the field. So now the guy's dodging the entire bench for the opposing team. Both teams actually went on the field. It was a a double Stanford band play only. They didn't score. The band is out on the field. Yeah, and it wasn't even the – like it wasn't the band. It's like the entire 80-man yeah. roster for both teams yeah. is out on the field. And the guy scores a touchdown to win. This is insane. I mean, guys, we saw a lot of things that were insane. And what about what about the Eagles? I mean, we saw Jalen Hurts, but Miles Sanders in a crap hole of a matchup coming through like he did over 100 yards and two touchdowns kind of makes the feelings a bit confusing about him going into your playoff weeks because there are other running backs, guys, that are very hard to trust right now, some being Todd Gurley, Gio Bernard, James Conner, all hard to trust. Miles Sanders was hard to trust, had a big game and a tough matchup, now has another one. Where do you stand, guys, on some of these running backs I just mentioned in the critical week 15? I think you can I think you can actually trust Miles Sanders again because I think the added running ability of Jalen Hurts helps him, takes pressure off of, you know, when Carson Wentz was struggling so bad, they could just load the box and go, okay, let's make Carson Wentz beat us with his arm because we're just going to stop Miles Sanders because the O-line isn't great for Philadelphia. But now Jalen Hurts, didn't Hurts put up more than 100 yards rushing? Did. Yeah, so that's the first time in like 50 games that the Saints allowed a 100-yard rusher and they allowed two of them. So I think you can actually kind of trust Miles Sanders again, and they're playing – uh, what Arizona? If I'm Arizona. not mistaken, yes, they are. Not and a, their not rush defense isn't. Up. I mean, their rush defense isn't spectacular. It's not great. It's kind of a middle of the road rush defense. But I, I would take the shot on him at this point. Ride the hot hand in the playoffs. That's what we were talking about last week. I would say the offense is definitely a little bit better with Hertz at center. You know, the one thing I've been preaching for Philadelphia is that you're. Pass blocking efficiency, your offensive line has been the worst uh, basically in the NFL, and that Carson Wentz is on pace to be, you know, one of the most sacked quarterbacks in NFL history. Clearly, you can't pass block. So why are you not trying to run the football more? Usually offensive lines 
have easier times run blocking than they do pass blocking. We saw when Miles Sanders was featured and would get the football that he would actually make plays uh, for a while there. He was averaging over five yards a carry for the season because he had so few touches, but he was making big plays every time he would touch the football. And then we saw what he did last week. So yeah, I'm with you on the new offense here. I think Sanders is somebody you can certainly play. Um, now, do I think that Hurts is going to run for 100 yards again? No, I think there's going to be some regression, certainly to him. He still completed less than 60% of his passes last week against the Saints, so it's not as if he showed up and blew doors off. It's just that his running ability and maybe the change in the offensive style that they ran opened some things up. Um, and I was surprised that the Saints, you know, being a team that I would have figured – um, you know, would practice against the read option. Jason Hill runs that same offense. Why weren't they more prepared to stop, you know, those type of plays? Um, but, you know, that's sort of the new NFL. The RPO is something that works. And if you have a team that can run it effectively and then they, they make it go for them. So I'd be willing to run Sanders up there again. Yeah. And uh, just as a final note, by the way, according to Pro Football Focus, Philadelphia Eagles have the tied for the second best uh, run blocking matchup against Arizona this week so that's a pretty tasty matchup for the run game of the Eagles which includes Miles Sanders yes now guys I mean we gotta start looking at some of these other backs though guys like Gio Bernard and especially Todd Gurley guys I'm sorry I can't go I don't know anywhere you can't start him in your fi- in your semifinal lineups. No, of course not. No. You're probably not even you probably may not even be having him on your roster at this point. He hasn't had a touchdown in what yeah. 20, in like he's only had a touchdown in what three of his last like twenty seven games or something. Right. This is what we this is what we almost expected to happen here. This was a one year deal for both. You know, and the Falcons we figured were just gonna run Gurley until he broke and Gurley was gonna run and hope that he could stay healthy enough to earn a contract next year. One of them will either that happens and they both benefit or, you know, they are where they are now. And I think that's what happened. I think, you know, they ran Gurley as long as they could, as hard as they could. And until those, the knee injury really popped up. And I think the first time we saw it happen was in that Carolina Panthers game. I think it was a Thursday night game where all of a sudden he was missing series and Brian Hill was getting a little bit more work. And, you know, we were like, oh, you know, what's going on in here? And they kind of mentioned, well, we're going to manage Gurley a little bit. And I think that was the first time this season where uh, maybe things started going down for him or some issues started popping up um, because he was an effective red zone runner earlier in the year. You mentioned he hadn't scored, what was it, since week eight or something, but he still was almost close to 10 touchdowns on the year up until that point. So, um, you know, he just broke down. You know, this is a man that has chronic knee injuries. We know that was going to happen. And they both took a shot on each other to see if they could get the best out of it. So uh, wouldn't it be surprised if this is one of the last years we see Gurley probably in the league at this point, right? Like on a one-year deal, breaking down the way he has now, it's going to be hard to think he's going to get any sort of long-term deal. And he's probably looking at a very discounted contract as a backup wherever he goes next year. Completely agree. I think, I think the uh, young man, I and mean, he's still pretty young, but I think he's just done. His knees are just not meant to be a running back. Just, you know, you can't run if you don't have knees. So Right. And Gio Bernard just, it looks like can't run. Like, and that's another situation where, guys, I've had enough. And I'm not just saying that because of the one fumble. I'm saying that because leading up to that fumble, and I know he hadn't fumbled, uh, he hasn't really done anything. I know it's like, I know he's the guy there, but still, you don't think they're going to try some of the other guys out now, especially after what we saw this past week? You can't run on Dallas. Who are you going to be able to run on? So I think the issue with Geo is that he's meant to be a couple-week fill-in, 
and it's been longer than a couple of weeks, obviously, because Mixon's been out for several weeks at this point. And you don't have Joe Burrow, who's at least effective at moving the ball down the field, and Cincinnati's offense looked pretty decent with Burrow. Now you've got just a cobbling together of of quarterbacks that obviously isn't going to help the running game. So um, I think that's what's the issue with Geo is that he's just not meant to be a lead back for more than like two weeks at a time. Yeah, it's the Duke Johnson thing. Yeah, like these are these are third down running backs that are being asked to play a role that they're not familiar, you know, playing and in, in you know while Duke is certainly I think a little bit better equipped to maybe run the football than Geo is. Um, you know, you're talking about guys that usually have their success against softer fronts, you know, when they do run the drop plays against, you know, you know, you know, nickel defenses and whatnot, and they're, they're pass catchers. But like you said, now they're dealing with different quarterbacks that aren't nearly as good. Defenses don't have to worry about them downfield plays happening, and it just makes it easier to defend those type of positions and really take away the short passing game, which those running backs benefit from. But guys, here's the problem, though. And and this is something I'm I'm looking at a running backs list right now. They're just the problem is the position. There are not many guys you can trust on a week in week out basis. We're we're treating in the last week or so we're treating David Montgomery like he's a god. Well, he's he is very good though. <laughs> yes, and, and he has been, and he's had a strong year. But some of these other guys that we can rely on, I mean, we've had to attach ourselves to Kenyon Drake now over the last few weeks because maybe Kyler Murray is a little bit more injured than he's really right. putting off. And now Kenyon Drake is getting involved. There are not many running backs, guys, that we can trust heading into the playoffs. Well, I mean, I almost think that the number of running backs that we can trust is actually increasing a little bit here. Well, well, yeah, some of those like ancillary guys like a Bernard are, are falling off or Gurley are falling off. You know, we've seen resurgences in guys like Miles Sanders and Jonathan Cam Taylor, Akers. And Swift, Cam Akers. So Dobbins now back-to-back weeks of over 60% snaps. So like, you know, there are guys that I think are, are that we waited on fencing. One of the things we, we, you know, we sort of mocked a little bit earlier on in the season during draft year was like, you know, we'll draft this rookie now and in the second half you'll benefit from them. And you're like, well, we have to get there. It's like, well, for those of them that did take that draft strategy, well, they got here and now they're reaping the rewards for making those decisions, you know? So, well, I agree with you that some of the backup running backs that have taken over jobs are now sort of the fall to the wayside. And if you're in a situation like that, then you're certainly in a tougher spot to start trusting them. But I mean, Drake, even for his lack of touchdowns earlier this year was still you know, getting the volume of work, he was still a relatively productive back in, you know, in terms of yardage and carries. He just, the touchdowns are being taken away from him because of, of Kyler Murray and the pass receiving uh, receptions were going the way of Chase Edmonds. But, you know, like you mentioned, you know, now Kyler, you know, I don't think he's got the shoulder issue as bad as it was a few weeks ago, but I think now the Cardinals are just being more cautious about running him as much to prevent, you know, a more serious injury. And that's allowed his his uh, his touchdown volume to, to come about. So, I mean, you know, the guys like them, you know, you're, you're saying that, well, now we have to rely on them. Well, these are guys that we were hoping to rely on all season long. They had a little bit of a down spell, but now they're back to what we, you know, initially drafted them to be like. And, and David Montgomery, you know, you know, Terry Cohen went down in, what was it, week four? Montgomery's largely been this productive for the majority of the season, but now he's getting the touchdowns, and that's the separator. You know, earlier the year, he was still getting five or six, you know, targets and four catches, and he was getting 40, 50 yards running, but now he's scoring and he's getting bigger plays. And I don't think it has, uh, I don't think it's much of a difference that, 
it's around the time that Matt Nagy said he, he gave up his play calling, right? Like they switched the offensive coordinator and all of a sudden David Montgomery is being more effective. So, you know, and, and this is somebody who drafted Montgomery last year and people who were bet back in on Montgomery this year, they knew he sort of had this talent. We saw the skill set he had in college and the ability to catch the football, but they had Tariq Cohen there, so they didn't need to use him in that role and it limited his upside. But I think what we're seeing now from David Montgomery hopefully is being realized of the back they should be moving forward. Yeah, and and switching to Mitch Trubisky has also helped. As much maligned as Trubisky is, the offense is way better in Chicago with Trubisky than it ever was with Foles. It's not even close in terms of yards per game, in terms of third down efficiency, in terms of points per game, in terms of how well they move the ball. It's far better with Trubisky. And, yes, it also helps that Matt Nagy gave up the play calling, so, yeah, David Montgomery, you can trust, didn't even touch on a guy like Nick Chubb, who everybody freaked out. What is Kareem Hunt's role going to be this year? How much is it going to eat into Nick Chubb? And then Nick Chubb got injured. And then we saw Kareem Hunt have solid weeks when Nick Chubb was out. And then Chubb comes back and everybody goes, what is Nick Chubb's role going to be? Well, he's put up a touchdown in every game but one since he's come back. He's gone over 100 yards, I think, in every game but one, maybe two, since he's come back. He's been dominant um you know you've got like john said jk dobbins is now taking over cam Akers is finally coming to his own um you know you can still trust raheem mostert when he's healthy melvin gordon is a guy we can trust because nobody's really doing anything to take it away from him in denver so you um, think that there are enough rb2s to trust? how about damian harris tony michelle came back didn't even make a dent in damian harris's workload like, Chris Carson's back being healthy. I, th- I think right. there are enough RB2s now. I think, Justin, what you're pointing out is valid. The like, there are certain guys that are. One. Yeah, By the way, I don't think there. Damian Harris sells is that trustworthy. Well, I mean, he's the only one, again, getting volume in that. You've got to lower your expectations when it comes to him. That's the problem. If you're, if you're like, okay, if my RB2 can get 10 points per in a week, that's okay. But if you're needing 18 to 20, you need two dominant running back performances. I think that's not going to be as easy to come across. No, but 18 well, to 20 is an RB1. That's a right. few running backs are getting you 18 to 20 fantasy points. You right. know? If you're getting if you're getting 10 points from an RB2 in a standard or a half-point PPR, you're pretty happy with that. Right, that's I true. would take it. Yep. And, and if Cam Newton can figure out how to play football again, then Damian Harris' stock goes up because the better Cam Newton plays, the better Damian Harris has a shot at actually putting up yardage. And they have a decent matchup this week against Miami. Not great, but decent. Right. Um, but, yeah, the, the top guys is pretty thin because Alvin Kamara has taken an absolute just crushing blow without he, well, He's come back a little bit. He had a yes. little bit spell where he definitely, you know, sucked. But, you know, the fact that Taysom Hill has now been throwing more the last two weeks, yeah. it's not a shock to see that Kamara is production. comes back this too. week, the KC matchup's actually He's not coming effective. back. He might. Well, they designated might. him. They, they designated him to return, but also uh, Peyton said he's got a long way to go. He's so not we'll see. Yeah, he might. We'll see. No, I'm telling you. But I even can't. then, I don't need. Well, see, here's the thing. I don't need Breeze to come back now for Kamara's value because Kamara had seven catches last week. Earlier, yeah. you now the problem is, and I think it obviously makes sense. It's game flow. In the games earlier, when Taysom Hill was a quarterback, they were leading those games. They didn't need to throw down Alvin Kamara. They, they could lean on Latavius Murray, who's been banged up lately, which I also think has helped Kamara a little bit more. 
But the fact that, that the Saints have trailed in these two games, or they've been more competitive in these two games where Taysom's had to throw the football, it's allowed for uh, Kamara's value to kind of peak back up a little bit. So, um, yeah, and, and I mean, should, facing this the should Chiefs. certainly be a shootout, and it should also be a great game to run because the Chiefs yeah. can't stop the run either. No, and they're going to have to put up points to stop the Chiefs, and it's going to be indoors on a track meet surface with two of the fastest offenses right. in the league. Tyreek Hill is going to just burn the ground. You know, like. yeah, it's gonna be so. So RB one is is thinner than we all thought it was going to be at this point in the season, but I think there's a surprising amount of depth for RB two. And I would also say that at this point in the year, fancy those who are still remaining in the playoffs, they're probably okay. You know, like I don't think the Gio Bernard owner is sitting in the second round of the playoffs having to start him this week. That guy's probably out. So. Right. You know, you know, it's it's sad, sad facts, but true facts, most likely. And the well, other thing is, is so you're good. probably only dodging one guy yeah. like a Derrick Henry or a Dalvin Cook or an Aaron Jones in your playoffs. You're not – there's nobody with two stud healthy running backs oh, left. Yeah, right. And the scary thing is, and this is what, uh, you know, in our long after hours late night freaks league, you know, you have a team like Josh Wagner who drafted Derrick Henry and Travis Kelsey because Henry was an end of the first round running back and Kelsey was an early second round pick. There's probably right. a lot of teams that have combos of like Chubb Kelsey, Henry Kelsey that are now in the playoffs just rolling through teams because they're 30 points a week out of each player, you know? Yeah, right. I'll tell you this. I have one league that I'm in the semifinals where I'm rolling out Josh Jacobs and J.D. McKissick. Not great. Well, what do you have around them? I imagine the team around them is probably okay. Oh, dude, my receivers are sick. I have Metcalf, Tyreek Hill, Michael Thomas, Marvin right. Jones, Ayuk, T.Y. Yeah, Hilton. So you're survived. So, so, right. so while so most people getting, are hoping to get 10 points out it. of their – Yeah, right. most people are hoping to get 10 points out of their wide receiver two, wide receiver three. You're getting 15 to 20 out of all three, and you're just hoping to get 10 points out of your running back. So. Right. You've played two RB2s and three wide receiver ones. So instead yeah. of playing an RB1 and then a couple of wide receiver twos, you've just flipped it. So, you know, you're getting more points in wide receivers. And probably- DK Metcalf, by the way, has to go in the end of the season runnings for best draft value, I think. of uh, yeah, That guy's been an absolute beast. He, he, he was going in like the fifth round of drafts. and Yeah, fourth, was, fifth round. Yeah, he, was, he was an absolute monster. Does he beat yeah. James Robinson, though? Well, nobody beats James Robinson. Robinson wasn't even no. drafted most for right. most leagues. And I picked him up off waivers in, because, uh, in one of my leagues. And those who did draft him had a draft, you know, Two days before the season start, probably. Well, what so, about Aaron Rodgers, though? Could you toss ooh. Aaron Rodgers in, in yeah, Rodgers value? In some of those FSGA drafts, remember, I think it was FSGA drafts that we did those live streams uh-huh. for. Rodgers don't and even go drafted. You know, in some of those one ways. of them, somebody took him after Gardner Minshew. Right. I'd like to put. I'd like to throw Keenan Allen in the hat too. Six, fifth, yeah. sixth round value. I, I didn't give Keenan a chance because I thought Tyra Tyra Taylor was going to be the quarterback for yeah. eight teams. You know, and, and once they right. got rid of him, and Herbert just did nothing but throw to Allen, it just yeah, it bombed uh, his production. Yeah, that was a guy that I was definitely wrong on. But you know, the circumstances changed. If you told me Herbert was going to be the starting quarterback, I probably would have been okay with it. You know. Yeah, so, I actually in the in the. Bold predictions, I actually called Tyrod being the first one benched. I did not, however, suspect it was going to be from a medical staff-induced punctured lung. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> what we – that whole situation is not ideal. But hopefully, Sells, that's not what you're bringing 
to the family table because it's time for each of us to bring one thing to the family table. What's that's going to be, Cells? My one thing that I'm going to bring is a little bit of a hot take here, and I'm going to say that Lamar Jackson is nothing but the next Michael Vick. I think the the year that Lamar Jackson had last year was a bit flukish. He put in time and worked on his passing. Nobody saw that coming. Nobody had tape on it. And they continued to run the ball, which gave him more time to find passing lanes. And, yes, it was a phenomenal season. I'm not saying it wasn't. Not saying he didn't deserve the MVP award. However, now there's tape on it. Now they know kind of how to stop some of the stuff. And if you actually sit there and make Lamar Jackson throw, turns out he's not that great of a passer. Kind of like Michael Vick. And if you actually look up, now I know that obviously Vick played for like a dozen years in the NFL and Lamar Jackson's only been a quarterback for three. But if you look up their per game stats, they're almost identical at this point. So I think we can all chill on Lamar Jackson just a little bit and not take him like, you know, first round because he's like just not even close to producing that value. I think yeah, I think can, a lot of people are going to be chilling on him. Yeah, on I this. think I, I just think going forward, he's just not. I don't. I don't care what weapons they put around him. I just don't think he's anything special other than the next Michael Vick. We shall see. I mean, they can run. I'll say that much. So can some of the other quarterbacks too that we've seen. It's running's become very, very popular. It's the fad that is in. Speaking of in, John and Pemba's always in style. What's up, Pemba? What are you bringing to the family table? Yeah, fancy. Hopefully, I'm not stealing your thunder here, but obviously, I'm here to promote the NBA package that we got going on. <laughs> and even if I am, you can certainly go ahead and follow it up with your own uh, take there. You can see some fantastic tweets from Justin Fenceman out there on his Twitter timeline and the Fantasy Line timeline promoting our NBA package. But NBA season starts next Tuesday, the 22nd. Uh, we got the NBA Pro Package right now, fantasyline.com slash hoops. Uh, promo code hoops saves 20% off the package there. You get all of the seasonal content, all of the DFS content uh, throughout the year. Myself, Sean Mitchell, Justin Fenceman, James Grande, Adam Ronis bringing you all of it. Uh, all season long to help you be successful. We had a fantastic NBA season last year. We have the brand new lineup generator, which most of you got to test last year. It was launched basically for the NBA once the uh, league restarted, but we got some cool new features of it. Uh, it's really ready to go, and uh, we're out there to dominate this year. That's what we do. No other option. That's how it is. And we're going to be there to help you every step of the way, whether your fix is season-long NBA. Also, betting John and Peppa, I'm so excited to bet some rebounding and assist props. I know I've been telling you that for a while, man. Rebounding yeah, and assist. The, the, I'm the ready. first for week of double-double props are going to be fantastic because there's going to be some guys that Vegas just are, is not on, and you'll be able to get plus 300, plus 400 on these. I'm just going to tell you this, John. If they try, Vegas tries to like, you know, tries to like work us with the whole like Clint Capella, someone like him, where he, he has a prop of like eight and a half rebounds. Hammer that over. Yeah. Hammer that over for a guy like Capella early on. You yeah, want to test this before. A lot you... of shots. There's going to be a lot of shots on that Hawks team. Uh, yes, there is. And uh, he's going to get a lot of rebounds. Yes, that's all he's going to do. That's his entire job. Nobody else is going to play the low block but him. My, what am I bringing to the table? I'm going to tell you this, guys. You know, we I don't know if you've ever gotten pimples and painful spots, such as in your nose maybe, in your ear, in the eardrum. The inner ear pimple is awful. And to Pimple Popper Nation, this is where I'm asking for help. 
I have one of the most painful pimples I've ever had. And I don't even know the, how this happens. Right under or next to my earlobe, I somehow developed this inner pimple thing. And it pains me to wear headphones. It pains me to sleep. And I'm about to take tweezers and just puncture the skin a little bit. So and that might be my only way. I don't know if you guys have any quick advice you could give me, but I don't know how much longer I can take because it ain't getting any smaller. My best strategy for pimples is I just kind of hold them out until I can't any longer, and then I just go after them. And if it bleeds or does some unholiness, it'll, it'll pus. I don't. I care just I put can't tissue sleep paper on. And I just put like toilet paper on it. Just take care of the bleeding, and then it's good to go. Yeah, so what you have to do, Fancy, is you got to get a, co a cotton ball, put it in your ear so nothing goes down there, uh, and then you can kind of go and go ahead and try to pop it because you don't want anything popping down the eardrum. Right. So you want to put some uh, co cotton ball in your ear, uh, and then from there you can either take a safety pin if you know where it is, you can take some tweezers if you know where it is, even a Q-tip, and just put some pressure on it, and if it's ready to go, it, it'll it'll go. It'll release itself. You could also warm up the area a little bit. That's yeah. what I'm going to do, a hundred percent. But you definitely want to make sure you put a cotton ball in your ear so nothing goes down your eardrum because there's bacteria, there's all that gross stuff that's in those things, and yep. you don't want to cause any further problems. Hearing is important. Hearing is important. You know what? I thank you guys very much for being concerned with my health, and I think that's what I'm going to have to do because I can't stand the pain anymore. For Matt, by the way, I've got one more thing to bring to the table. Yes, the other week. Uh, no, I'm going to leave that one alone. But I do want to compliment Rob Manfred on something. Today, MLB announced that the Negro Leagues are no longer a separate league; they are being considered part of Major League Baseball's history. What does that mean? It means every record ever produced in Negro Leagues, if it's better than a Major League record, they become the Major League record holder. Great. So if somebody figures out that Josh Gibson actually hit more home runs than Babe Ruth, Josh Gibson, and then I guess Barry Bonds, though I don't consider him to be the actual record holder, Josh Gibson would then become the all-time home run king. Or if somebody put up a better single-season batting average then the record for MLB, that then becomes the record. So congratulations on to Rob Manfred on making the right and long overdue decision to count the Negro Leagues as part of Major League Baseball. Well, the only thing he's done right. So Basically. <laughs> wow, it's weird to compliment him on something. I know, it felt a little dirty there at first, but I, I, no, I, had, but it's, I it's, had to do it because it's, no. it's a very nice thing. It's long overdue, and it's time to give these guys... Uh, they're due. I actually met Buck O'Neill once uh, oh, in Kansas cool. City. Uh, he's a pretty. He was a pretty sweet dude. Met him about a year before he passed. So good on you there, Mister Manfred. There you, there you go, little Rob Manfred. The compliment from Sells for Matt Sells for John and Pemba. I'm Justin Fensterman. We always dominate. No other option. We just win, and a family that sticks together wins together.